Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Not in Los Angeles, but instead in Burridge, Illinois. This is the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us from the film room in Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, gentlemen? Uh, another good show getting ready, uh, lined up for you guys. Uh, I'm excited. Bowl season's kicked off. The SCS playoffs are good. And and uh, the finals are coming up here soon. We'll talk. We'll talk about that in a later show. Um, but it is kind of surprising as I play some music for you guys. All right, all right. Well, we'd there. be remiss if we did not introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man whose favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. Uh, it is our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. <laughs> I mean, that's a classic any time of year. No Katami Plaza can't go wrong. Definitely cannot. All right. Well, we're going to get to our second round of bowl previews here in a second. But first, a quick recap of uh, the two big upsets in the FCS semifinals. Uh, first of all, on uh, last Friday night, James Madison uh, uh, took down five-time defending national champion North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome in Fargo, 27-17. to 17. This was uh, about as big a shocker as you can get on the road. Uh, this is a James Madison that we've talked about, a uh, James Madison team, I should say, that we have talked about a lot this year. And they kept rolling against, uh, you know, one of the best defenses in all of FCS. What was most impressive going to the fourth quarter, they were tied at 17, and they pulled off 10 points in the final frame to take, uh, to take down the Bison, led by senior running back Khalib uh, Abdullaran, who had 180 yards on the ground. And uh, this uh, will take James Madison to the FCS title game for the first time since 2004. The Dukes, uh, 445 yards of total offense, uh, which is way, uh, which is, you know, 150 yards more than the Bison usually give up per game. Game 
in uh, in the other semifinal, Youngstown State traveled to Cheney, Washington, to take down number two Eastern Washington, forty to thirty-eight, in a thriller. Uh, you know, Kalini's Penguins are absolutely rolling, and they scored the winning touchdown with one second left in the game to beat Eastern Washington, and uh, they will go down to Frisco to take on James Madison in what is a most unlikely matchup of, uh, for the title game down there in FCS. Uh, Josh, you got any, you know, any thoughts going into the title game? Well, my thought is actually just going to circle back to North Dakota state for a second. I mean, the, the dynasty had to end at some point. You can't win every title every year. And, when you kind of look back on the season, I guess, you know, it's not terribly surprising that it, it finally happened this year. They opened with uh, two overtime victories. Um, they lost at home for the first time in a while. They they had a hard-fought win against uh, Northern Iowa, who ended up being a very disappointing team this year, uh, struggled with South Dakota. And, you know, even in the rematch with South Dakota State, they got down, uh, and then, you know, I know they scored 36 unanswered, but, um, you know, they were gifted some, some short fields with a turnover there. Um, but the way they started that game getting down 10 nothing, you could tell that they just weren't as crisp as they were a year ago. And hats off to James Madison for finally being the team that slayed the beast. That has to be a lot of, a lot of momentum going into their game against Youngstown State. And, um, you know, we, we thought that the, that the uh, schedule set up nicely for Youngstown State, the, the bracket set up nicely for them to make a run. But eventually, um, there's a reason why you don't see too many unseated teams make a run like this. I think it's the Duke's time. Yeah, I, I really think it's the Duke's time. They're going to be partying in Harrisonburg for sure. Uh, Coach, how do you feel about uh, this matchup? What are you going to be looking for? Well, I mean, you know, you have Youngstown State led by Bo Pelini. That's also going to be, um, you know, that's also going to be a viable candidate here. And um, you can't discount them as well. I mean, the Dukes um, from James Madison surely are, are uh, since they slayed the beast or the, or the favorites coming in, um, and they've pretty much been the favorites all along. Um, so every, if they win, everybody's going to kind of expect it. But um, just, you know, it's just going to be, I, I think, an exciting game. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Youngstown State also, um, they rallied as well. They're a scrappy team. Um, they're a team that they're hot at the right time. They they had a last-second touchdown catch um, by the uh, at the hands of Kevin Ratter. To, to take down Eastern Washington, a place that's never, never easy to play at. Um, and so it kind of messed up the, uh, the two, the two big time uh, programs colliding in the, in the championship. And, and this is one that um, if you, if you're a follower of FCS, you didn't expect James Madison versus Youngtown state. And if you told me at the beginning of this bracket that those two teams would be squaring off, I'd probably say that you're a little bit crazy, because of uh, you have your five-time champion, North Dakota State, and then also you have Eastern Washington, who's probably the, the best, most talented team and was going to win it had they not got upset. Um, I think if they had got past Youngstown, they would have been a lock to win it. Yeah, this will be the first time since 2009 that either North Dakota State or Eastern Washington has not won the, the title. So 
Um, you know, the, the, with the last two uh, squads to have won a national title being knocked off in the semifinals, we're going to have a new national champ. And, uh, you know, the Dukes uh, had won their one and only title in 2004 over Montana um, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, actually, was where the game used to be hosted. But um, in Youngstown State, they last won a title in 1997 when they beat McNeese State, also in Chattanooga. And uh, Josh, who was the coach in 1997 for Youngstown State? I'm going to assume it's the sweater vest, Jim Trestle. That is correct, sir. Um, the sweater vest uh, in the uh, getting his fourth national title with Youngstown State in 1997. So either way, going to be a really, really great game down there in Frisco next year, or next year, I should say, next weekend. And, uh, you know, both these squads have got to be, you know, very, very excited about it. But um, we're going to move now on to uh, our next round of bowl previews. And we are going to start with uh, actually tonight's bowl, which is the Boca Raton Bowl, which is uh, features the Memphis Tigers taking on the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers in what should be an offensive explosion. Uh, Josh, who do you like here in this game? Well, they both have amazing offenses, like you said. Um, ninth in the country for the Conference USA champ, Hilltoppers. Uh, 17th for Memphis. Um, I just, I like Memphis coming on. I like that they are in the bigger conference. And so most years I would take Memphis in a scenario like this, but there's something special with this Western Kentucky team. They're finishing the best run in school history. I mean, they they've won 20 games the last two years. Um, there's just something about this Hilltopper team. I think that with, with Brom leaving this is kind of the end of the road for the, this core of players. I think they want to do right by themselves and their coaching staff. So I'm going to go with a little bit of an upset and take the smaller school. Coach, how do you feel about this one? How do I feel? Well, I'll tell you how I feel. Um, I spaced out for a second. What, uh, what's the game? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Memphis versus Western Kentucky. That's right. Um, Memphis versus Western Kentucky. I, I feel like this one's going to be, uh, extremely exciting. Uh, you have, uh, Western Kentucky going through a coaching change. So what I would previously say about Western Kentucky may or may not be true. Um, I think Memphis is probably the best group of five school out there right now. Um, they're probably one of the strongest, um, as it seems. I think uh, I think they've done a tremendous job there uh, offensively. They they get after you. They have a lot of firepower defensively. They, they, they swarm to the football, and they just play great team football. And uh, they they play they play well in all three phases, and and we haven't I don't think we've stressed that importance enough. Um, the fact that you know you need that third phase to uh, to kind of get you by. So um, I'm I'm going to say Memphis is going to come out ahead. They're probably the most stable of the group right now. Um, you know, had Jeff Brom come back to uh, Western Kentucky, had he not left to go to Purdue, maybe uh, maybe it's a different story. Uh, but there's just a lot of distractions going on right now uh, with uh, with Western Kentucky, given the coaching changes and and things going on. With, with anytime you change regime, there's there's always distractions. Even if even if 
Uh, most of the staff stays on through the bowl game. There's still a lot of shuffling around, a lot of a lot of get to know the new guy, and you know, just the, the new guy not started yet, and he's still kind of and he's kind of there evaluating, and it's just all it's all kind of funky. So, um, you know, you throw scheme out of it, you throw statistics out of it. Anytime you talk about a bowl game, you just got to kind of look at the situation that the team is in. And uh, right now, typically, the more stable teams end up in. Uh, usually end up on the better side of the scoreboard in these bowl games. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Memphis here and uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to lock in now. Well, uh, Vegas actually has Western Kentucky as a seven point favorite coming into the game, which quite frankly surprises me a lot. If you're a, uh, if you're a betting man. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm really interested to see uh, two key wide receivers in this game, Anthony Miller, from Memphis and obviously Taiwan Taylor from Western Kentucky. Taiwan Taylor was second nationally in receiving yards this year. He had almost 1,616 touchdowns. And Nick Saban called him the best wide receiver that Alabama faced all year. So, I mean, you take that as, you know, with, with you know, a slight, with a slight grain of salt because, you know, you can't really believe everything that Nick Saban says. But, sure. you know, both of these teams have a lot to play for. Jay Norvell, um, you know, he is – or sorry, Mike Norvell, I should say, uh, really impressed me in his first year as the Tigers head coach coming over from Arizona State. And that program seems to be definitely trending in the right direction. Moving on, though, we are going to uh, take a crack at the longest bowl name, the San Diego Credit, San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl, which uh, uh, takes uh, two schools um, from uh, from the old WAC in BYU and Wyoming, and they will be facing off down there in Southern California in Qualcomm. Um, BYU kind of had an up-and-down year. Wyoming, one of the pleasant surprises of all of college football this year. Josh, you think that uh, Craig Bull's squad are going to be able to uh, take down the Cougs here? I don't see it, unfortunately, as much as it would be cool to see Wyoming cap off their incredible season. But, um, you know, BYU's coming in hot. Uh, Kalani Shiitake's squad started 1-3 and three, but went 7-1 and one down the stretch. Um, the fact that BYU's incredibly balanced. They have, uh, you know, the 15th best scoring defense, 61st at scoring. Um, Wyoming has a much wider split. They're 22nd at scoring, but in the hundreds uh, for defense. Um, so I think BYU just has a little bit better um, balance to their ball club. But But if you're a Wyoming fan – you still have to be excited for a little bit because uh, Brigham Young only faced five bowl teams and Wyoming took on eight and Wyoming won four of those games and BYU only won two. And in their victories, you have to count a win over five at seven Mississippi state. And when BYU won out, they beat three FBS scrubs and an FCS team. So Wyoming is much more battle-tested. Possibly that, that bodes well for Josh Allen, a really good quarterback in an offense that when is on, they'll put up a big number. Well, Coach, I'll tell you what. I think you're spot on right there. Um, I think it's one of those things where uh, your bowl matchup is uh, is a little bit – 
it's a little bit hard to predict on, on this one because of the team that BYU can be and the team that Wyoming can be. I'm going to go with Wyoming um, because I think they've proved week in and week out um, for, the, for the better part of the season, uh, especially coming in, uh, thinking that they were just going to maybe compete and, and try to do the best they can um, in a good conference. But uh, I, I think it's, you know, Josh Allen – um, he's been he's been the leader, and 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 and, uh, and Josh, you mentioned him a minute ago, but he's you know almost three thousand yards. Uh, I think uh, Greg Bowles done a tremendous job of balancing that offense and getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Um, Brian Hill, you can't leave him out. Um, obviously, uh, he's taken you know he has eighteen hundred yards and twenty one touchdowns. Um, you know he he's been uh, you know like I said he. Uh, he had 1,600 yards a year ago, so he's gotten even better. He's almost a 2,000-yard rusher there, so you can't count him out as well. Um, you know, but, again, BYU plays good defense. They've been great all year. Um, so we don't know if that's – you know, this bowl game will kind of see if that's more of a opponent schedule type deal of they've just played a bunch of weak offenses or if – you know, or if they're truly legit and, you know, we'll find out because Josh Allen, Brian Hill kind of lead this Cowboy offense into uh, into the attack there. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, this will kind of be Wyoming's big stage. Um, this will kind of be their first year um, in a long time that, that they've been relevant and people are going to be watching. So um, that scares me uh, when picking this game. That's what makes it hard because I, I think Wyoming's a better team. But BYU's been there before and been there more often. So it's, I mean, you know, when you look at it, I, I could say on one hand, BYU's going to win this game. Defense is going to play well enough to win. I think they're going to score. and uh, I think they're going to get into a scoring duel with uh, with Wyoming. And, and when I say scoring duel, I mean they're going to, you know, it's going to be the last person touch the ball type, type situation, you know, shootout type game. But um, if BYU's going to win that, that's, that's the game they're going to have to win. Um, or they're going to have to grind the tempo way down and make sure that Wyoming, you know, they try to take Wyoming out of what they like to do and try to force them, force them into one niche, whether it's run or pass, and you know, shut down, shut down one of the uh, one of the pieces and make the other piece beat them. And, and if BYU can do that, they'll they'll have success because their defense, you know, their defense is built for that, and their defense is built to kind of turn you into a one-dimensional team. If they can do that, they'll have success. If they can't, Craig Bowl will have his way, and Wyoming's going to be celebrating a San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl victory. It's right. funny It's funny you mentioned that BYU has been there before uh, in terms of their bowls. I was looking it up uh, for the blog. This is their 12th straight bowl game, 35th in program history. Yet, oddly, it's their first time in Southern California since 1993. Really? That surprises me. I, I yeah, think, their fans have to be excited for that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, one thing about this game, though, no Taysom Hill for BYU. He is out with an elbow injury. They are going to be leaning heavily on Jamal Williams, who only played nine games this year, but he had uh, 1,165 yards in those games, including the big game against Toledo when he had 286 yards on the ground. So, yeah, but Wyoming, Wyoming's defense is terrible. But one of us could start for BYU under center and still put up some yards. Yeah, and Tanner Magnum is not, you know, he, he's not half bad himself either. So, um, well, let's keep it moving along to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, where Idaho basically gets to be the home team, um, and they are playing Colorado State. Colorado 
Colorado State, 13-point favorites here. And, you know, we all love the Bobos. Uh, we've, you know, long been fans of Colorado State here on the podcast. And, uh, you know, they've really turned, uh, turned it on this season with Nick Stevens under center, um, you know, him coming in and really solidifying the quarterback spot. Uh, so, Josh, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, Colorado State unbelievably tested this year. They took on eight teams that are currently playing in bowl games. They won three of them, but over the course of the year, they kept getting better and better and better after a 21-point loss to that Wyoming team we just talked about. They went 5-2 and two down the stretch, but their losses were by a combined eight points to Boise State and Air Force, two of the best teams in that conference. They had a 2-0 finish that came against New Mexico and SDSU. Obviously, we've talked about both teams at length this year. Um, so the Rams are much, much more battle-tested than Idaho. Um, I think that bodes well for the fighting Bobos. But let's be honest, everyone in the entire college football landscape has overlooked Idaho this year. They are obviously playing with a chip on their shoulder, knowing that this is their last bowl game, quite possibly in program history since – they're going back down to the FCS. Uh, the last 20 years up at the highest division of football has not been kind to the Vandals. They, they seem to be playing with some extra juice. I'm still taking the Rams, but um, you know this is an Idaho team with, with an edge about them for a damn good reason. Coach? Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is an interesting matchup. Uh, you know, you uh, – you look at Colorado State, and they're the only team that has embarrassed San Diego State. They're the only team, I think, that's broken uh, broken the 30-point barrier against San Diego State. And uh, they, they're they peaking at the right time, truthfully. Uh, Mike Bobo, they got, off to a, they got off to a rough start. Um, at the beginning of the year when they lost to Colorado, you, were, you know, we, we didn't know Colorado was going to be the team that they were on the, uh, on the precipice of the playoff. And uh, we didn't know that, you know, we didn't know Wyoming was going to be what they were. We didn't know we didn't know a whole lot about the Mountain West and how it was going to shake out. We thought we had an idea, and it turned out to be completely different, with the exception of San Diego State. But uh, you know they, uh, you know they have Kevin Davis um, on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to be their key player for this bowl game. He's going to he's going to have to be the one that that kind of keys in on that Idaho defense and, and or Idaho defense Idaho offense. And, uh, you know, he's defended three passes. He's he's intercepted one. He's forced four fumbles among the millions of tackles he's made um, in the season here. And, uh, you know, I I think their motivation point is they're, uh, you know, they're coming off a blowout win. They've got a lot of positive uh, momentum coming into this game. They've got a lot of things to look forward to. And uh, I I think this is one more step in, in that direction offensively. I think they're playing as well as anybody in this conference. And, uh, you know, they've won five of its last seven games. And, again, you mentioned Nick Stevens, so I won't talk too much about him. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he's the kind of quarterback that Mike Bobo is looking at to, to lead the program. But that's not to keep – you know, that's not to keep out the Idaho Vandals either. Um, Matt Linehan has done a tremendous job for the, uh, for the Vandals. Um, they were 15-point underdogs to UNLV, but um, they uh, – they won in overtime, so they kind of went against the uh, went against the grain there. Um, they weren't expected to win a whole lot, but 
you know, you look at these motivation levels, and this is a key. This is a key point here. The motivation levels for the Vandals, um, they're highly motivated too. They want to leave FBS um, with a bang. You know, they're going to FCS next year, and so they're, it's actually, they're actually heading there the year after next. Uh, next year will be their final year as a, an FBS team. Well, they they still want to go out. Um, they don't have much time, so they still want to make the most of it and try to get as much momentum going into FCS so they can drop down and be that power and have that recruiting base, the FBS recruiting base, and be able to have enough of a name that they can resonate in FCS and give Eastern Washington a uh, viable opponent. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to be in the big sky with Eastern Washington, uh, Montana, Montana State, uh, North Dakota, some of those squads. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I guess I, I just want to – Coach, if you can answer this one real quick. How do you recruit guys right now at Idaho if you're going to be dropping down? That's got to be, you know, uh, that's got to be sort of a tough sell. It is. I mean, you just got to kind of redo your expectations. you got to kind of look at – you got to recruit an area, all right? And you're going to have to kind of follow the same plan that the FBS schools in Florida follow. And you're going to have to go into Washington. You're going to have to go into Oregon, you know, Colorado, those states around you, your own state, um, and take kind of the leftovers, you know, and, and you're going to have to be okay with that. And there's a lot of good leftovers in those states that can compete at the FCS level. You go to Northern California. There's a lot of good leftovers there that the uh, that the Power Five California schools don't get a hold of, and so and uh, so really you can compete with the F, you can compete with the Mountain West schools around you because you know you're even though you're playing in FCS you you know you can you can kind of sell that powerhouse deal kind of kind of what North Dakota State does in their region. There's not a whole lot of Power Five schools. There's not even really a whole lot of Group of Five schools. Um, in their general vicinity. So they're able to compete um, even with some of the FBS schools or group of five schools that are somewhat close. They're able to compete with those schools because they offer a better chance at winning a championship. And and you can kind of sell, hey, it's an FCS championship. If you're good enough for the NFL, they'll find you anyway. So they can kind of take advantage of finding some of these obscure players, um, and they're going to have to get creative. Yeah, it's going to be a tough sell, I think, for them. But, you know, they become an FCS powerhouse. And, you know, honestly, you know, you talk about those states around them. Also, Utah is producing a lot more football players these days. And you can get guys from California. You know, there's so many high school football players in California. Definitely going to be guys overlooked. And it's – Guys that don't qualify. Guys that want to transfer. Yeah. Yeah. Guys from Oregon that want to transfer, they can come right over. Yeah, you know, and Mo- Moscow is beautiful in the fall. Yes. <laughs> so, I, hear the, I hear the Kremlin is a great place to visit. <laughs> um, well, let, let's keep moving to uh, one of the most unlikely bowl matchups. If you would ask us at the beginning of the year, uh, we would have told you that both Eastern Michigan and Old Dominion had no chance of making a bowl. Yet here they are facing off against each other in the Bahamas Bowl which would be, uh, you know, my number one destination to go watch a bowl game at some point. Uh, Old Dominion are four-point favorites, but both of these teams have had, you know, for especially considering the expectations coming in, absolutely spectacular seasons. And uh, especially, you know, Eastern Michigan, this is a program that had just been really down in the dumps. Old Dominion just came up from FCS. So, uh, Josh, you know, what are you looking out for here in this one? 
Well, I hate this game for three reasons. First, you want to root for Eastern Michigan. They haven't had a winning season since 1995. It's their second bowl in program history. The only other trip was back in 1987. I hate this game because I would also root for Old Dominion. They are a football newbie. They restarted their program in 2009. Billy Wilder has guided it all the way through the ranks from an FCS independent to a Conference USA title contender. And I also hate this game because I'm envious that it's not a Big Ten Bowl, so there's not a chance for Iowa to ever play in it. So three reasons right there, very superficial. Uh, In terms of the actual on the field, it is – going to be a must-see. They, they are Both teams are incredibly balanced. Um, they're mid-50 scoring, and they have decent defenses. Old Dominion is a pinch better on defense, and that might have resulted in the, the two more wins overall that they had. But they are extremely balanced. They are the rare exception of two teams in a lower bowl game. They're very clearly hungry to be there, very clearly excited to be there. Um, Obviously for Old Dominion, first bowl in program history. Um, So I think this has a potential to be one of the best bowl games of the season. And since I really, really like both teams, I hope it is competitive. It it would be a shame to see one of these teams do such good things this year, only to end in a a blowout bowl, kind of like the one last night where Tulsa routed Central Michigan. So, uh, you know, just a shame that the, the two most likable teams, I feel like, in the bowl season had to square off against one another. Well, again, you say that and you, you hate that. It's good to not have a dog in the fight in this bowl. Um, but before I really get into why, I'll tell you that, yes, this is the most unlikely bowl matchup that you'll ever get um, because Old Dominion's new. Eastern Michigan has been a doormat for several, several years. Um, also, you have the most unlikely bowl sponsor. You have the Popeye's Bahamas Bowl. Popeye's known for Southern and Cajun fried chicken, and the Bahamas, which is a, in the Caribbean. Tell me how that makes sense. Um, anyway, unlikely sponsor. Um, Eastern Michigan. Um, this couldn't be a better bowl draw because they're under feet of snow. And they get to travel to Nassau, Bahamas. So that's a good uh, that's a good draw for them. Um, Brogan Roback threw for uh, 468 yards and three scores, um, and that was in their uh, that was in their I guess their ticket punching win over Ball State. Uh, so that's got to be that's got to be encouraging. They they're coming in on a high note. Um, you know. You know. You can again. You can throw a lot of the stuff out the window because these are probably going to be the two hungriest teams outside of the playoff um, in this whole bowl schedule. Old Dominion. They want to put themselves on the map. They've done. They've done that to a point, but that it would further solidify it if they win this bowl game. Um, the Eagles. They haven't. They haven't been to a bowl game since '87. Um, so they want to make the best of their return because they don't know that it's not guaranteed when they'll ever come back. So. Um, it's pretty, uh, pretty inspiring matchup. I think, you know, for Old Dominion, um, you know, their quarterback David Washington. Um, little in fact about him, he's one of four FBS quarterbacks to have thrown for twenty-five touchdowns 
and four, uh, versus four or fewer interceptions. Um, he also had 2,600 yards to do so and completed his passes at a 60% rate. So, um, you know, it's going to be – I think when you look at the quarterback matchup, I think that's the matchup you got to look at because those two guys are going to be the guys that lead the offense, obviously. Um, it's going to be kind of who can handle the moment. You know, can who has the most poise? Who has the most – uh, moxie about them because neither of them been, neither of them have been in this situation uh, a neutral site road game out of the country in a situation that if you're old dominion you've never been in or if you're eastern michigan your program's never been in since you know in the 2000s or even since 1987 before any of these guys were born so um it's going to be which quarterback can have the most poise and, and just kind of get into a groove you know because once they kick the ball off it's it, Really, it's a football. Really, it's just a football game. Um, and whichever quarterback can settle into that um, is going to have the most success. And, uh, you know, the one that does that first will get the momentum. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't turn into a blowout for viewers' sake, but I'm sure both sides are, are looking for a blowout. Um, and then, of course, you can't count out Ray Lowry as well. Um, he had 1,100 yards, scoring 11 touchdowns um, in Conference USA play. A very tough conference to play in um, if you're Old Dominion. So it makes their accomplishment even better, um, considering the fact that Conference USA is not an easy conference to win in. So um, I'm looking for an Old Dominion win here. I think they're going to win. I think David Washington um, is going to play a key part in. I think Ray Lowry is going to have a few big runs, and I think it's going to uh, – I think it's going to be a good game, but I think it's going to be an Old Dominion Monarch win. All right. Yeah, I'm with you on Washington. He's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country. And he's a guy, you know, he's at only 2,600 yards, but he, you know, completed better than 60% of his passes and just really feels like he's in control of the game uh, at all times. So I I think that the Monarchs are going to come out on top here as well, but it's going to be a real close one. Um, moving on to the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, uh, which takes place in uh, TCU Stadium in Fort Worth. Uh, we've got the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs facing off against the Navy Midshipmen. And uh, the, the status of Navy quarterback Will Worth is still in doubt, and that is going to be one of the biggest questions coming into this game. Obviously, Louisiana Tech uh, can put up some big numbers, and they've got some uh, playmakers on the outside uh, with tiny little uh, Trent Taylor along with, uh, you know, bigger wideout Carlos Henderson. And, uh, you know, so, Josh, what are you going to be uh, keying in on here? Well, I think it all comes down to that Will Worth injury. I know he has three days, but at this point, with it being such a mystery, even if he does go, it, it feels like he would be pretty limited. And we saw in that Army game just how different this club looks without him. And this gets to another matchup scenario where uh, Louisiana Tech, we know they can score with anyone. They averaged almost 41 points per game, 12th best in the nation. Skip Holtz has always had pretty good offenses, uh, dating back to his Eastern Carolina days. So if Navy doesn't have their game-changing quarterback, I don't think they can score enough points to keep track in a, in a track meet with the Bulldogs. So I would go with Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I – 
it concerns me that how bad Navy was when they didn't have him. And, you know, that's going to be a huge thing. And even, I mean, even him at, you know, 50% or 60%, I think it's a bad matchup to try to get Will Worth in there even less than 100%. You know, it's going to kind of screw up the uh, flow of your offense. And, uh, you know, I, I think that you have a couple of wide receivers for uh, Louisiana Tech, Trent Taylor and Carlos Henderson. Um, there's some playmakers. And Taylor is five foot eight, 178 pounds, can run. Um, and he can, he's a guy that can catch and take one to the house. And when I say catch and take one to the house, I mean catch a screen, dip a few, uh, dip a few tackles, and, uh, and take it house. Um, but uh, losing tech is also streaky. You know, um, on one side, uh, they had a 55-52 um, win against Western Kentucky in the regular season. Um, they blew a 25-point lead um, to end up winning a shootout game. Um, they also did the same thing against Middle Tennessee State, um, but they did fall short, 38-34. So they're very up and down. They're, you know, I would describe them as a roller coaster. You know, one minute they're rolling, rolling, rolling. The next minute they are down in the pooper. And it's – and then it doesn't make any sense. There's not really any rhyme or reason. It's just that when they're on, they're on. When they're off, they're off. And it could change at any second. So that's what scares me to death about Louisiana Tech. Will Worth not being – not leading the Navy offense scares me to death about Navy uh, because you saw what they did. They were – I don't know what – I didn't recognize that team that played against Army. They were – they looked like a team that was just learning the option for the first time when they played against Army. You know, they were throwing interceptions. They were they were missing blocks. They were blowing assignments. Quarterback was not reading and worth the crap in the option game. I mean, it didn't seem like they could do a whole lot right in that game. I mean, I know they had their moments, but, you know, they – you know, when, when Will Worth is in – he can make that offense go. They've posted 66 and 75 uh, point games in their final two regular season games before getting to the Temple game. And so you know what this offense can do. It's just a matter of without Will Worth, can they replicate that performance? And they haven't so far. So I'm going to go with a very streaky Louisiana Tech team um, in this matchup because even though Navy has been a sure thing all year, up until recently, I think Louisiana Tech is the, the, the sure thing in this matchup. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there, Coach. But, you know, Navy still has something to play for. If they win this game, this will be the first time in the history of their program they will have back-to-back 10-win seasons. Um, and, you know, with that loss to Army, it was the first time since 2014 that they lost back-to-back games. So, you know, they want to snap that streak and start another uh, back-to-back streak of uh, double-digit wins. So, you know, the Middy is always going to be well-coached, but they are down a lot of personnel. Um, moving on to the Dollar General Bowl, uh, which uh, question, Josh, do you know where the Dollar General Bowl takes place? Uh, I do. It's down there in uh, Mobile, Alabama, because it used to be the GoDaddy Bowl. Oh, yeah. So um, we've got the Ohio Bobcats versus the Troy Trojans. 
And, uh, you know, Frank Solich, you know, another year, another overachieving squad. And Troy, Josh, has been one of your darlings for the entire year. So, uh, you know, what are you excited about here? Yeah, you mentioned uh, Frank Solich getting them to another bowl game. This is Ohio's eighth bowl in 12 years under Solich. This has been the best run in, in Bobcat history in terms of consistently fielding a competitive team. Uh, for Troy, I, I think he gets lost in the shuffle with App State and Old Dominion and, and some other new programs. Um, but Troy is also still a very, very young team, uh, all things considered. They've never had a double-digit win year. They can, they can do that this season. And this is arguably the best Troy team in the history of their, their young program. So who do I think is going to win it? Well, that's going to be tough um, because I really like the Ohio defense. They were 28th in the country in scoring. They had Blair Brown, who I talked about back during the, uh, the accolades for the Mac. I had him as my defensive player of the year. Um, but Troy is also really good defensively. They're 22nd. We've talked about a lot of offensive shootouts on the show. I think this is going to be one of those cage matches as both bring in really, really good defense. Um, Troy has the better offense statistically. I think that'll make the difference. Brandon Silver is the quarterback that I really like. I gave him the Sunbelt accolade a few shows back. I think that's going to be the difference as Troy caps off their best season in school history. Coach? Um, well, you broke that one down pretty, uh, pretty good there. So <laughs> I'm excited for it. I know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the quarterback situation, um, you got to look at it with it, when, when you have two great defenses, the quarterback situation is going to be huge here. Um, and I give, I give the edge, uh, more than an edge to Brandon Silvers. Um, Jordan Chun also, uh, has helped lead the way he's, uh, the Trojans running back. Uh, they're nine and two. They finished second place in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, they're a nine and two team looking for their first double digit win. Um, the Dollar General Bowl is played in Mobile, Alabama. Troy is about four hours away, if that, away from the site. Ohio's coming down uh, even further trip. This is a virtual home game for the Trojans. So I expect them to travel well with their fans um, down to Mobile. This would be a good recruiting uh, recruiting coup as well. They can invite um, local area recruits to come to the game, come watch them, see what they're all about. So this could be a free recruiting showcase for the Trojans, especially the Trojans, because you know they can get some of those in-state kids that um, that aren't quite good enough for their Power Five and don't really want to travel too far to play, you know, in the MAC or whatever. They can attract some of these Alabama kids to come to their school. So. Um, all that aside, quarterback matchup, I give it in favor of Troy. Um, only because Ohio doesn't know if they're going to have Wyndham or Maxwell under center. Um, that's the leading question there. Um, I think Troy is hungrier. Uh, you look at motivation, I think they're hungry. You know, they're, they're out to prove that maybe they were the best team in the Sun Belt. You know, I think Arkansas State had a pretty good statement um, the other night um, and something to say about that. But um, – they're hungry. A 10-2 regular season, great recruiting tool. 
All right. Uh, Ohio. You know, they're hungry, too. You know, they, they, they've been – this is their eighth bowl game under Solich. Um, they're always in it for the MAC. They're regular in the bowl lineups. Um, but, you know, their defense is great. And so we, we, we every – you know, they have Terrell Basham. You know, and, and that's kind of – he was the MAC defense player of the year. Um, he was conference player of the year um, for, that, for that conference. And uh, so he leads that defense. He's a defensive lineman. Um, and he's, uh, he has 10 sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss. He is, uh, he, he is a burden to uh, opposing offenses, but I think Troy's going to have a good game plan. I think Brandon Silvers is going to manage this one tremendously. And I think they're going to come out ahead. I think they're going to win by a couple of touchdowns. Um, and I think those two couple of touchdowns are going to come after, um, after they've been engaged in a slug fest for three and a half quarters. I think Troy's going to kind of, as they ice the game, they're going to score a couple of dagger touchdowns, and it's going to kind of increase that lead. And it's going to make you look at the game and going, wow, Troy dominated. But that's not really going to be the story of the game. I think it's going to be back and forth. I think they're going to trade punches. But um, I think in the end, it's going to look a lot more lopsided than it actually is. But I think that's going to be in favor of Troy. All right. Well, uh, finally, for this round of previews, uh, we're going to look at the Hawaii Bowl, which has the hometown Hawaii Rainbow Warriors at five and seven, taking on MTSU, the Blue Raiders, who have, you know, uh, quite the offense there. Uh, Brent Stock still uh, still uh, one of the uh, better quarterbacks in the country. And uh, also don't forget about their running back, Itavius Mathers, who is absolutely absurd, uh, over 1,500 rushing yards, fi- over 500 receiving yards, and he is just, you know, a jack of all trades. And, you know, I, I, I don't really know what the Rainbow Warriors' heads are going to be like coming into this game, but if you're MCSC, you got to love the prospect of going to Hawaii, don't you, Josh? Yeah, it's funny. They played the Bahamas Bowl last year, so they were, uh, you know, they're kind of used to going to uh, wonderful tropical locations. I feel like their fan base would have been a little disappointed if they weren't in another gorgeous setting for a postseason game. Um, you actually shortchanged Hawaii a win. They're six and seven. They get to play uh, 13 games uh, because of all their travel. It's like a way to recoup some stuff. The NCAA does that for, uh, for the Rainbow Warriors, but it doesn't really matter because. Middle Tennessee State has the 16th best offense, and Hawaii has the 116th worst defense. Uh, Itavius Mathers, he's going to go off. He's going to have a wonderful, wonderful senior bow. Uh, Brett Stock, still, you mentioned him. He's a unbelievable quarterback. I just hope, well, that he's healthy enough to to really showcase his talents here on a uh, nationally televised bowl game. So I'm going to go with the Blue Raiders to just absolutely shred Hawaii. I think this could be the biggest blowout of the bull season, to be quite honest with you. Even more so than that Tulsa win yesterday? Well, that put up a pretty big number. Uh, thankfully, Central Michigan had scored late to make it 55-10. to 10. So uh, can they win by more than 45? Yeah, I think Middle Tennessee State can win by more than 45. Yeah, I think they can. Will they? I don't know. They might get disinterested somewhere in the second half. Um, their backups might start playing bad. I don't know. But I know th- I know this. Itavius Mathers is going to be the MVP of this game. They're going to roll. You know, the Rainbow Warriors are 107th best. I'm going to be positive, Josh. They're the 107th best 
defense in the country. Um, anyway, <laughs> not much to preview here because um, we know there it's going to just be a shellacking. It's basically just going to be a uh, a good road trip for Middle Tennessee. Um, the stat that really jumps out at me more than any other stat in this whole preview is that the Rainbow Warriors have traveled approximately 47,000 miles this season. That is equivalent to two trips around the planet Earth. Let that sink in. That's Let a lot of uh, freaking flyer miles. Yeah. And I think Michigan traveled uh, like 90 miles on the year. If yeah. that. <laughs> if that. I mean, they didn't play outside the state of Michigan for the first, what, like two months? Like, come yeah. on. I, I, like, their longest road trip, I think, was to Ohio State. That is. Absolutely pathetic. Don't get me started on that. I think um, the longest road trip was to Iowa City. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Actually, it would be to Iowa City. Um, and what happened then? Well, they lost. So um, no surprise there. Um, well, I think that's going to do it for us here on our uh, second installment of our bowl previews. We will be back uh, later in the week for some for our post Christmas bowls. Uh, but for now, uh, uh, I want to say thanks to uh, the coach Corey Burton and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, and Josh Cook. And uh, you know, also be checking out uh, Josh's uh, blog previews for all the bowls. They're going up on our Facebook page every time he puts them out. They're a great read. I really recommend them to all of you listening out there. So, um, but for now, this is the professor saying so long and see you next time on the illegal motion college football podcast. And you know, this man, thanks for listening to the illegal motion college football podcast to get in touch with the show. Email us at illegal motion podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.